the Dating While Adulting podcast, the greatest podcast ever made, if we may say so ourselves. Go to datingwhileadulting.com for access to everything related to the podcast. That's our Twitter, our YouTube, blog, information about the hosts, etc. So with all that being said, let's get to the conversation. Hey, welcome back. I guess I should be saying that to myself. Um, actually, I'm saying it to you. Uh, welcome back. Thank you for coming back and all of that good stuff. Let me forgive me for a second while I make some adjustments. Okay, now I think we're good to go. Anyway, let me just get into what I want to talk about today because I don't want to hold you off for long. I appreciate your um, patronage and all of that good stuff. But let me start by saying people are weird. <laughs> I learn that more and more every day. And I know a lot of you listening like, okay, and we get that point. We already knew that. But um, people are weird. And that also includes me, I guess. Yeah. And some people celebrate and embrace their weirdness. Some are in denial about their weirdness. Often when people talk about being weird, it's usually, it's usually like the cool kind of weird, like quirky or off the beaten path or not like the rest of bad society, that society that we all live in and exist among, which is different. But I have to say that all weird is not good. <laughs> In dating, it seems like weird is more accepted by men um, than a weird man. Well, let me just go back for a second. It seems like a weird woman is more accepted by men than a weird man is accepted by women. Now, it goes without saying that the finer that a woman is, the more the more that her weirdness is seen as cute or whatever. And Conversely, the more money that a man has, the more that his weirdness is seen as eccentric. Let's call it that. <laughs> the, th the thing about weird, though, is that it's cute from a distance, but up close, it can be hurtful. And that can be both good weird and bad weird. Kind of like bears are cute and innocent until you get up close and they rip your arm off. All of our weirdness is shaped by our upbringing and by our environment. And in dating, many of those first conversations um, that you might have with someone might entail someone talking about some trials and tribulations that they've experienced in the past. Oh. And when evaluating those conversations with a potential partner, some might regard those conversations as deep, deep conversations. Someone that speaks about what makes them you know, in a sense, weird can be seen as cute or innocent. And like that bear, when that cute innocence manifests itself in a relationship, it can be the, equi the equivalent of getting your arm or in a romantic sense, your heart ripped out. In my dating experiences, I've had a bunch of conversations with a bunch of women that after they share their weirdness or trauma or whatever you want to call it, you know, I found it endearing, you know, it made me like them more. It made me feel like the desire to protect them like a baby bird with a broken wing or a bear at the brink of starvation that needed to be nursed back to health. Now, the problem with this is that I've assumed that these women or bears 
<laughs> and let me be clear, I'm not calling women bears. And believe you me when I say that there are men in the same category too, um, because weird does not discriminate. So there are female bears, there are men bears. I just don't date men. But I'm sure that there are plenty of ladies out here that are, that are listening to this that can attest to what I'm saying or what I'm about to say. Um, anyway, I assume that these women were nice and that their weirdness, quote unquote, may be just a thing of the past, only to find out while my efforts to protect are well received in the beginning, bear's got to be a bear, you know? Yeah. And subsequently you know my arm gets ripped off yeah i'm sure that most people listening to this can tell a story about a partner that treated them well and um, i mean a partner that they treated well i'm sure you can talk about that someone that you treated well that you loved and you know did the most for only to have them just treat you like shit in return <laughs> but a lot of us kind of set ourselves up to be treated that way though so we can only blame the bear for being a bear to a certain extent or if at all if you meet someone that let's say has been abused but abused as a child and they share that story with you often the initial thought would be to appreciate their vulnerability in opening up and sharing that with you but maybe the better thing would be to wonder would be to wonder how that's going to manifest itself in a relationship with you. I'll say that I do hear more people now asking if the person has sought therapy. I ask that myself. But even if they had sought therapy or even if they are going through the process of therapy, when you meet them, you don't really know what the progress is. Like, are you ever, are you ever really cured from trauma? If the answer is no, as it is in most cases, as it probably is in all cases, then it's going to manifest itself in some way. And that way isn't going to benefit you. So what do we do? As the saying goes, hurt people hurt people. And the vast majority of us are hurt. So do we not date? Nah, we got to date. Otherwise, what would this podcast be about if we didn't date? I just think that we have to get better at risk management. The person that's been through a lot, like that bear, has the potential to hurt you. What didn't kill them might have made them stronger, but part of their strength might have been built by killing others. <laughs> and of course, I'm speaking figuratively. Nobody's killing anybody, but you don't want to be on that list of pe people that they kill to get stronger, if you know what I mean. So the first part of risk management is seeing that bear not as cute, but as a mother blanket bear. That doesn't mean that you don't deal with the bear. You still deal with the bear. Well, in some cases, you shouldn't deal with that particular bear. You know, you all know what I mean, ladies and men. I know a lot of ladies understand that. But you do have to deal with bears. We're not meant to be alone. So if there are only bears out here and we're all bears, then you got to deal with the bear. There isn't anyone that you meet. That isn't going to hurt you some in some way over the course of a relationship. The hope is just that the hurt isn't deep and harsh as it could be. So anyway, so step one is to see the bear, not as cute, but as the bear. That weirdness or quirkiness, while it's cute, 
might be born out of some some sort of pain. And oftentimes it is pain that might be and can easily be turned against you in a relationship. So you're dealing with a bear. That's the first thing. Step two is to assess the viciousness of the bear. Well, all of the all of them, all of us have the potential to be vicious. There are levels to this thing, like I said earlier. Some are more domesticated than others and can be dealt with with less caution. But notice that I said less caution and not no caution. Some caution always needs to be applied to that bear that you're dealing with in a relationship, regardless of what the state of the relationship is. And understanding once again that you will never get to the point where that bear will not hurt you in some way. So caution always needs to be applied regardless of how much you love that bear, how much you've taken care of that bear, how much that bear might have reciprocated and done for you. That bear still has the potential to be a bear. So caution always, sometimes less, but always caution. Caution. And let me be clear about this other thing too, because some people have taken that to the extreme. When I talk about caution, they've taken that as close yourself off, lock your heart in a steel safe and throw away the key and never open yourself up. That's not going to serve you well. And to some extent, that's the bear in you that you need to address. So some caution, depending on who you deal with, it's a bear that you're dealing with. So that's step two. Step three is to determine what person, <clears throat> excuse me, is to determine what the person is doing about their weirdness or quirkiness, if anything. Like I said earlier, some people celebrate and embrace it, um, especially in the society that we live in. You know, being different is seen, seen by a lot of people as being cool. And I guess it can be. It can get you far in life. It can make you money being different, being quirky, being awkward and things like that. But in relationships, from what I've seen and from people that I've talked about, even when dating weird people, and we're all weird, but people who have higher degrees of weirdness, even if it's seen as the good weirdness, and I'm using air quotes when talking about the good weirdness, it still needs to be reined in when you're talking about dealing with another person another person, a partner, because two weird people, it does not mean that their weird is going to be the same type of weird. And oftentimes it's not. And it's funny because in my conversations in dating weird people, I've heard a lot of weird women that I've talked to that have said that they don't want to deal with another weird person because somebody has to be the grounded one. But the grounded person doesn't want to deal with the weirdnesses of that weird person. So you kind of have to rein it in. Like, you know, you can be Issa, Gray, Issa Rae and be the awkward black girl. And that is great. It can bring you tons of success and money. And she's married. So, you know, it, it's gotten her married. With that said, though. Um, we don't know the state of that marriage and don't want to assume also that it's, it's a bad one, which is what I imply. The point I'm making though, is that, yeah, it, 
maybe it's me, but you all tell me. When I look at Issa Rae now, Issa Rae seems a whole lot less weird now than she did when she was doing her YouTube series. <laughs> Issa, Rae, Issa Rae doesn't seem weird at all now. Think about that. Let me know if you agree or disagree. But yeah, so you have to rein some of that in despite how cool it might seem. So again, to step three, um, you have to determine what they're doing about their weirdness. In some cases, it might not be anything. It might be embracing it and not having any willingness to do anything about it. Okay. You know what you deal with. And if you choose to date that person, again, then at least you know what, to, you know what you're dealing with. That is, if you choose to get into it with that person. So in closing, and this is going to be a short one today, as you probably can tell, because I'm saying in closing. So in closing, there can be good weird and bad weird. Even the good weird can be born from things like low self-esteem or poor social skills. A lot of people... Um, grow to be weird because they have low self-esteem. They don't socialize well. So they kind of paint a world that they can exist in. And that world often isn't compatible to the real world. So again, a lot of that weirdness, even the good stuff can be born from low self-esteem, poor social skills, or another or a number of things along that same line. And while maybe it's not as harmful as some of the other types of weirdnesses, still it can present like real challenges when it comes to trying to like have and maintain happy, healthy, romantic relationships. Like, have you ever dated somebody with low self-esteem? <laughs> have, have, have you ever dated someone that's socially awkward? Yeah. Like someone, someone who can't even make eye contact with you when they talk. Trust me, that can be rough. It, it might look cool on TV, but in real life, uh, not so much, not so much. So don't be afraid to date the bear. Just know that you're dating a bear. And we're all bears, weird, with the ability to hurt. The questions are, which type of bear or weird are you and which bear or weird are you dating? So just keep that in mind. I told you it'd be short, but I have to close like I always do by talking about either death or divorce or both. This time I'm going to talk about divorce. And in this case, it's not necessarily a full-fledged divorce. It's a separation that, you know, could be worked out. Or, or it could be a separation that could lead to divorce, but either way, it's worth talking about in this case. Um, Justin Trudeau, Justin Trudeau, who is the prime minister of Canada, is separated legally. And I don't really understand what legal separations are, but whatever. He's legally separated um, from his wife, Sophie. And they have been married for 18 years. Again, after 18 years, you would have thought that they, this thing would have been figured out, especially when you consider the high profile job that he has and the position that she holds next to him.
weird. 18 years, separation, prime minister of Canada. You don't really hear about things like that, especially in the United States, where I don't, well, I'm sure there have been presidents who haven't been married. I don't know anybody who's gotten divorced while in office. I don't think that's ever happened. But hey, it's so nice in Canada. Things are different. Now, there's a rumor, rumor, and this is just clickbait. I'm hoping and assuming that part of the reason is because she had an, an affair with Idris Elba. I throw that out there, but I don't believe it. It's just funny to me because I just wasn't expecting to see that. But with all of that said, what is true is that they are legally separating. They have three kids together. Um, he's 51. She's 48. So right smack dab in the middle of, of the demographic of this podcast. So it's just interesting that they couldn't work it out. And maybe they will work it out. Who knows? But it still fits into the, the framework for how I like to end these things because I don't know. Again, maybe I'm just being too morbid and negative. Anyway, man, whatever. Um, shout out to Justin and his wife, Sophie. Hopefully they do work that out and it doesn't get to divorce because I do like to see love, even though I don't, even though I talk about the negativity of love way too much. Anyway, Reggie. Oh, and also I have to say, as I record this, today is Reggie's birthday. Now, when you hear it, it would have passed. So never mind. But yeah, it's Reggie's birthday today. So Reggie, surely you have something to say to the people today. Nope. I give you a pass today because it is your birthday. Reggie is like 84 years old. And again, because I have to say this from time to time, because people think I'm like making up some imaginary person talking to my imaginary friend when I bring up Reggie. But again, if you go back through the archives, Reggie does appear in the first 50 episodes of this podcast as my former co-host. And I still regard him as a co-host until I start making big money off of this. And then he'll have to sue me. But <laughs> with all of that said, happy birthday to Reggie. Um, that's my guy. And, um, or as Gar said, that's our guy. And um, yeah, um until the next time we meet or you listen or whatever you want to call it goodbye <laughs>